When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hook em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the Horn. Five-hour morning sports conversation begins right now. That's right. Hook them up. Five hours a day, five days a week, and get them up and get them going. It'll be a warmer, rainier day. Could be some severe weather in the forecast for this 30th of November, so be advised of that as you get up and out. Uh, but it's going to be a beautiful weekend. Looks like on tap, and the weekend is almost here. And that weekend starts tonight, as a matter of fact, with the Dallas Cowboys opening up Week 13 in the National Football League. That will precede one heck of a college football weekend. It's championship weekend. Friday night, the Pac-12 championship game. Friday, Saturday morning in Arlington. Of course, the Longhorns play in Oklahoma State. Both teams receiving a major accolades yesterday for their performances here in the regular season from the Big 12 coaches. We'll get to the Big 12 honors, which came down yesterday. Longhorns pretty eye-popping the number of players uh, being awarded or at least honored for their performance this season, most for the Longhorns as a program since they won the national championship back in 2005. We'll run down the list and talk about it. Also here from Steve Sarkeesian, uh, talking about uh, the Longhorns and previewing that game coming up. Uh, um, he'll also have a media availability today, Sark will. Uh, so we'll preview that. Of course, uh, championship weekend also includes the SEC championship the ACC Championship, the Big Ten, and across college football. Uh, come Sunday morning, we'll know what the uh, Final Four looks like in the uh, Longhorns' fate beyond uh, Saturday's contest with Oklahoma State, which we'll continue to preview. So a lot to do. Cowboys, NFL weekend, college football, got baseball as well, basketball, Longhorn women with a big win yesterday. They got a big one coming Sunday. Texas men back on the floor tonight. So we got a lot to hit today on this final day in November on Hook 'em Up. We appreciate you being there, however you're finding us. Maybe on uh, 101.9 FM, always there for you. Also on AM 1260 and streaming. So many folks finding us now on our Horn app, and we appreciate that. So easy to do. Download it to your smartphone. Uh, wherever you, you, uh, you, you're going to listen, just from touch of a button. You've got us wherever you are for five hours a day, five days a week on that Horn app. And always streaming for you live on hornfm.com. Once again, no Rod Babers today as Rod continues to deal with the, uh, the COVID protocols. Um, Rod doing okay. I did see him last night on the, uh, the Longhorn live stream on Inside Texas, but uh, obviously still isolating himself. He's able to do that over his c- computer, but uh, he is uh, still not getting out of the house yet uh, with the COVID diagnosis of, uh, of Monday. Uh, so we appreciate uh, Rod. But uh, Ty is here. We're going to have uh, Nick Shuley rolling in here as well, of course. Nick with Clark Field Creative and uh, the Texas NIL One Fund. And, uh, of course, the live music update set list that he does for us as the uh, president of the Austin Music Movement. Uh, Nick, always a great conversation. He'll be with us coming up. His thoughts. And uh, Ty Henderson, our producer, is back at the Horn headquarters. How are we doing, T.Y.? Doing good, doing good. Set up for this Cowboys game tonight. You getting excited? It's a couple of teams going in opposite directions. We'll tell you about that. The uh, Cowboys are on a roll. Uh, we'll find out tonight if, if uh, you know, it's one of, those, one of those odd games where the Cowboys are on a roll, but they're playing bad teams, right? I mean, that's, it's not a knock. You've got to play who's in front of you. But the Cowboys, have, uh, they're, they're, 
you know, their wins this year, their eight victories have come against teams who are combined 25 and 52 on the season. I mean, that's 27 games under 500. So they're hammering bad teams. And it, the debate is, is Seattle a good team or bad? They're 6-5 and five coming into this game. They got walloped by uh, San Francisco on, uh, on, thir- on Turkey Day as the Cowboys crushed the, the Washington Commanders. That night, San Francisco walloped the, the, the Seahawks. And they've, uh, they've lost three out of four. And so they come in limping. Uh, Cowboys come in having won, won three, three straight. So, yeah, we'll preview that game. Longhorns, or, excuse me, Longhorns. Cowboys. Uh, almost a 10-point favorite in that football game. But it does start week 13, which uh, week 13 in the NFL also includes a big one Sunday afternoon with the Eagles and Niners. How about that game? Philadelphia and San Francisco. Uh, Cowboys for maybe once in their lives. Cowboys fans will be rooting for the Philadelphia Eagles. Excuse me, rooting for the San Francisco 49ers in that game to take down the Philadelphia Eagles and get the Cowboys. Because if the Cowboys can win tonight and see the Eagles go down to San Francisco Sunday afternoon, Cowboys would be a game out of first place. And, of course, the Cowboys' next game after tonight – is a week from Sunday against the the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles in Arlington. So a uh, big stretch for the Dallas Cowboys beginning tonight. We will certainly preview. Also talk uh, the rest of NFL Week 13. The NFL tra- uh, college football transfer portal is opening up. Let's get to all of it. Let's start our uh, our morning with our headlines. But first, let's say the thanks to those who serve. We always want to uh, mention that. Of course, our military installations throughout the state of Texas, around the country, and all over the world. Uh, Rod has done a nice job of adding in anyone who gets up early and uh, works all night and serves us in any capacity. We appreciate you, our first responders, uh, school teachers, uh, all the folks who get up and uh, serve the community because there's more ways to serve than just in the military. Uh, serving your community is important. We appreciate, the, appreciate those who do and certainly those who uh, volunteer to defend our country each and every day. Let's get to the headlines. Trending topics brought to you by our friends at Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. College football, uh, the 2023 All-Big 12 Football Awards announced yesterday. And a pretty eye-popping 26 members of the first place Texas Longhorns were honored after a vote of the league's head coaches. Highest number for the Texas program since 2005 when they won the national championship. Big 12 coaches have voted senior defensive lineman Tavondre Sweat, the conference's defensive player of the year. His line mate on the D-line, Byron Murphy, was voted the league's defensive lineman of the year. Linebacker Anthony Hill Jr. earned defensive freshman of the year honors. And on offense, Adnai Mitchell, the wide receiver, caught the conference's newcomer of the year. Xavier Worthy, Jatavion Sanders, Kelvin Banks, Burt Auburn, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, and Jalen Ford were all named to the first team All-Big 12 team, while Jonathan Brooks, A.D. Mitchell, and Jade Barron were all second team selections. Longhorn's opponent on Saturday in the Big 12 championship game also garnered a couple of major accolades. Oklahoma State running back Ollie Gordon voted the league's offensive player of the year, while Mike Gundy was voted the conference's coach of the year ahead of Steve Sarkeesian, which is a surprise some. 11-1 Texas will face 9-3 Oklahoma State on Saturday at 11 a.m. Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian will provide his final pregame update after his morning practice uh, today. Also from college football, transfer portal officially opening Monday, but players are already announcing their intentions. Yesterday, Duke starting quarterback Riley Leonard announced that he will be transferring out of that uh, program and getting the portal uh, after the departure of their head coach Mike Elko to Texas A&M. Riley is, uh, Leonard expected to be one of the top players available. ESPN's Pete Thamel reporting that Notre Dame expected to target the junior. Of course, they brought in Sam Hartman from Wake Forest to quarterback their team last year. Former Texas A&M quarterback Max Johnson has already announced that he is transferring to North Carolina, while South Carolina quarterback Spencer Rattler announced that he is headed to the NFL. Mentioned week 13 in the NFL kicks off tonight in Arlington. Uh, Cowboys have won three in a row, 13 straight at AT&T Stadium. They've won those games by an average of 20 points. They welcome the 6-5 and five Seattle Seahawks tonight. Seahawks have lost three of their last four and scored just three offensive touchdowns in that span. As we mentioned, both teams played on Thanksgiving. Cowboys walloped Washington. Seattle got walloped by the Niners. College basketball playing in front of nearly 5,000 screaming kids. 
yesterday for the annual 40 Acres field trip at Moody Center. Texas women's basketball team improved 8-0 with a 112-74 win over Oral Roberts. Head coach Vic Schaefer's horns off to their best start since the 2015 season. They face a huge early test on Sunday afternoon. They welcome mighty UConn to the Moody Center for an early college basketball showdown. Rodney Terry and the Texas men are back in action tonight. They welcome Texas State, the Bobcats, to Moody for a 7 o'clock tip tonight. Horn Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. Gobble up discounts this month by getting 5% off any rental or purchase of steel outdoor power equipment by donating two non-perishable food items from Capillary Food Bank. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight. In there, the Longhorns, uh, plenty of accolades. It's amazing. Longhorns, 26 different players received some type of accolade from the uh, the vote of the league's coaches. And, uh, of course, they went, you know, had had a great year, um, you know, 9-1 and one in the conference and 11-1 and one overall. Um, so, but there were some eyebrows raised when uh, Mike Gundy was voted the coach of the year for a 9-3 and three season. And after a 2-2 two and two start, a lot of people thought that Steve Sarkeesian had possibly earned that award, but we know Texas is leaving the Big 12, headed to the SEC, voted on by Big 12 coaches. Probably not surprising they're going to vote for one of their own uh, who's going to be around and uh, not to, it doesn't diminish what Mike Gundy has done this year. We've talked about it. Maybe one of his, you know, in 20 years, one of his best all-time coaching jobs. We can certainly take your thoughts on that. Uh, did that surprise you, Ty, that uh, Mike Gundy was the coach of the year over, over Sark yesterday when the, the coaches voted? Um, I think it could have gone either way. I mean, like – we. Uh, We've said on the show that this is probably Mike Gundy's best coaching job. I mean, yeah. especially after the preseason he had early with the the loss against South Alabama, and you know, well, uh, the argument, yeah, the argument I, is that I don't uh, have an issue you know, with it. Well, and like, I mean, look, it's, Sark's done a great job. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's ingratiated himself to the Longhorn for anybody that had doubts about Sark and his ability to coach and, you know, develop and, uh, you know, win close games and all those things that were, you know, still in doubt. Uh, but this is his, his first time as a head coach to, you know, play for a championship and get to double-digit wins. And, uh, but let's, for, let's not forget they were uh, preseason pick to win the conference. So uh, a lot of times in these votes, you know, Sark, you know, led his team to the expectation level, right? And, you know, the, the one game they lost was one that, that got away against Oklahoma, and that's preventing Texas from being, you know, number one in the country right now. But uh, so both did a great job, there's no doubt. But uh, a lot of times in these votes, Mike Gundy's team was voted and picked to be, you know, predicted to be finished seventh in the conference when the uh, the preseason vote came out, and here they are playing for the championship for the second time in three years. So, uh, as you said, could have gone either way. I don't think Sark's going to stay up late worrying about it as they're off to the SEC. they got bigger things to worry about, which is uh, the game itself at 11 o'clock on Saturday. Still feels like a, a game the Longhorns should be able to get their hands around. Uh, you know, styles make fights, and this is a fight that fits the Longhorn style. Uh, you know, and it's kind of like the Texas Tech game. I know the Longhorns – um, you know, are a heavyweight where it feels like Oklahoma State's a, a middleweight to into something a little, maybe a little bit bigger right now. Uh, Texas playing as a heavyweight, top seven, top, top six team in the country. Oklahoma State's a nine and three team, and they play right into what Texas does. We know that, and uh, and we'll preview it coming up. But they run the football. Ollie Garden, uh, there. You know, we'll, we'll see these the the offensive and defensive players of the year in the conference going head to head because Ollie Gordon will be the featured attraction for Oklahoma State. They've got to be able to run the football, establish that, stay ahead of the chains. Meanwhile, Texas and Tavondre Sweat. Congratulations to T. Sweat, named the uh, Big 12's Defensive Player of the Year. And uh, he, along with Byron Murphy, voted uh, Defensive Lineman of the Year. That's something that Steve Sarkeesian uh, openly hoped for on Monday at his press conference. He said, well, I'd love to see Tavondre win Defensive Player of the Year. I'd love to see Byron uh, get Defensive Lineman of the Year. And that came to fruition yesterday. Well, those two, along with Jalen Ford, first-team All-Big 12, Jade Barron, second-team All-Big 12, they'll be charged with uh, – 
with uh, st- um, you know slowing down that run game of Oklahoma State and uh, and Ollie Gordon. If they can do that, uh, put the game into Alan Bowman's hands, I think you feel pretty good. Uh, and I also say this about Oklahoma State in the in the film study and the deep dive. They they don't have that great Oklahoma State receiver. You know, Ty over the time with Mike Gundy, nearly two decades now at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, he typically has a really good running back. I mean, that's kind of always been the case. Always have a good quarterback. And then there's usually a dynamic wide receiver on the outside that just, uh, you know, demands double teams and creates big plays. I don't see that guy this year for them. I don't see that, uh, you know, that Des Bryant on the outside that uh, just you have to know where he's at at all times. Um, you know, meanwhile, Texas has two or three of those guys on their offensive side of the ball. You, don't see, you just don't see those game breakers, um, you know, for, for, for Oklahoma State on the outside. So how do you, how do you how do you think they compensate for that? Uh, well, well, that's, that's going to be the question. Quick passing game, probably. I mean, Mike Gundy's going to have something. Uh, there's no question, and that's he's one of the best coaches in the conference and one of the best coaches in college football because he will he will have something. And uh, you know, Joey McGuire and Texas Tech, you know, when when they played on Thanksgiving, this was a a similar challenge where over the course of the year. Texas Tech had morphed from one thing into the next, right? They, they decided, you know, we just got to run the football. And as Rod told you, head into that game, they were running it, you know, 30, 40 times a game with Taj Brooks. They weren't running it that effectively, uh, but they were still running it. They were trying to protect their defense a little bit. Uh, they were trying to stay in ball games with the, you know, the, the, the quarterback issues that they were dealing with. And that played right into Texas's hands. And they tried to go quick passing game. They tried to you know, go pass first. Um, and, you know, the Texas you know, pressure was ridiculous. I mean, the pass rush was all over. Uh, Baron Morton in that game. The Longhorns got after him early and often with Sweat and Murphy and Sorrells and uh, Ethan Burke and those guys that's living in the backfield, Anthony Hill Jr. And, um, you know, I think similar can happen here. But I, I'm assuming, you know, trying to, to, to attack Texas with those inside breaking routes, um, the glance routes, and, you know, see if Texas is up to, up to coverage. They certainly were against Texas Tech. And the other part of the Texas Tech game, Ty, was the special teams, right, going into that game. Um, you know, tech, you know, Oklahoma, you know, Texas Tech had, you know, had been had been one of the better specialty teams units in the in the in the league coming into that game, and Texas had one of their best special teams performances in in memory, uh, with a kick return and a punt block and five made field goals, and they just dominated the special teams. If that happens again on Saturday with Jeff Banks' uh, special teams unit tie, uh, I don't think this will be a close game because. If, if you're Oak State and you're undermanned and you're 14 points underdogs, you've got to find some things. You've got to create some turnovers, and you've got to create some things on the on the specialty units if you're going to stay in this football game. Yeah, I expect this game to be a kind of a Texas Tech-esque game with some style points on it. Well, and that's the other thing. Leave, I mean, Texas, any doubt. Yeah, I think in that you know where you are, right? We've talked about it. We'll know what happens on Friday night with Washington and Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. I, I believe you know one of those teams with a, with a with a win will will, will secure a spot in the Final Four. Uh, there, I heard some good debates yesterday that, you know, if if Georgia were to win, or excuse me, Alabama were to beat Georgia, um, you know, could could two SEC teams get in? I don't believe that's going to happen. I think the winner of the Pac-12 championship is in, and I've made the argument that it's regional, it's a regionality thing, and uh, I think that's one of the things the Longhorns are fighting. It's geography. Uh, for the first time since 2016, the West Coast and the Pac-12 have a chance to have a team and a deserving team in the Final Four. It was, gosh, Washington way back with Chris Peterson as their head coach. The last time, you know, they had a team in the Final Four, they've just been out of the conversation. Uh, the Final Four has been so dominated by, you know, Ohio State and Michigan out of the Big Ten and then Clemson, um, you know, Alabama and Georgia and the SEC teams. 
Uh, TCU last year out of the state of Texas. I mean, it's, this is a chance for the West Coast. And the West, look, let's be honest, starting with Colorado to start the season, the Pac-12 has been kind of an it conference. And you know, whether they've, they've held up over the course of the year to be as good as advertised when the season began, uh, that's been the narrative, that the Pac-12 is among the strongest conferences this year. So I think the Pac-12 gets in. I think the winner of that game, because remember, if Oregon avenges it, and they're an almost you know, they're nine, nine-and-a-half-point favorite in that game, if they beat Washington, they will avenge their loss to the Huskies back in October. And that loss came 36-30 you know, on the road at Washington. And if you remember the game, uh, Oregon missed a field goal, a makeable field goal at the end that would have tied it and sent it to overtime. It was that close of a football game. So if Oregon avenges that, I think we're going to see Oregon in the Final Four. So Texas will hit, hit the field on Saturday morning knowing which one of those teams, because obviously if Washington wins, they'll secure it as an undefeated uh, conference champion. They'll be in the Final Four. Uh, and then Texas hits the field the next day knowing uh, what they have to do. And as you say, Ty, leave no doubt. I mean, if you can stretch this thing out, this isn't one of those sportsmanship games. If you've got a chance to post a big number, uh, I think you do it. I think you uh, – and then, you know, Steve Sarkeesian – you know, goes and does all the, the politicking he can beyond the game. But you have to execute. You've got to show up, focus on this game. If you do, then you can go lobby and make your case. Longhorns will hit the field with 26 players honored yesterday by the Big 12 coaches. We'll certainly take your thoughts on that throughout the morning. We'll get Nick Shuley's thoughts coming in as he rolls in as well this morning. Uh, but the Longhorns getting ready. Cowboys getting ready tonight. Uh, says, if it's regional, CFP is a sham. Well, that's a fair point. I mean, yes, their, their charge is to get the best four teams, right? That's, that's really what it's about. But I do think over the course of this year, those two teams, I mean, Washington and Oregon have played in the top ten all year long. You know, Texas played Washington last year in the Alamo Bowl, and you know, Washington was, was the clear better team in that football game. So there's not, you know, it's not like Washington's a fluke here um, you know, it, that, at all. And I don't think Oregon's a fluke. Uh, I know we've got I, – I think the Longhorns should be ahead of Oregon uh, as far as the, the conference you – know, the standings right now. I think we've made that argument quite clear that Texas should be six and Oregon should be seven. Uh, but I do think whoever wins that game is one of the four best teams in college football. Would you agree with that, T.Y., that winner of Washington and Oregon deserves a spot in the four? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think that's pretty – Pretty set in stone at this point. I, I was listening to a lot of uh, sports radio yesterday, like including Jim Rome, and they had a guy on from the Pac-12, and you know Jim Rome out there in California, just hearing the different the points of view. Like they were arguing that both Pac-12 teams should that, that, that deserve a spot. You know, and obviously every region, like you said, is going to um, rally around their teams. But I, I I don't know. And then Paul Feinbaum later in the day, I was listening to them, and they were talking about Alabama and Georgia both. As, Deserving to be in, so it's. It, I, I don't know what to, to expect at this point. I just like well, no, like I mean, we were saying yesterday. We just, we just need Louisville to beat Florida State. That's that seems like the most concrete path. Well, that will be the, the most. You know that that's the most controversial because if the charge is to get the best four teams, even if Florida State wins, and depending on what type of win it is, they're playing Louisville. They got a backup quarterback. Um, look, if, if, Louisville, if, if Florida State goes out and plays a really impressive game and beats Louisville, then there's going to be no doubt. But if they struggle and they lose, then that spot will open in the Final Four from the ACC. Uh, or, but if they go out and win and it's ugly, you know, last week they beat Florida, a bad Florida team. Florida finished 5-7 and seven this year. Uh, and I think Florida State only gained, you know, 200, you know, 250 yards of total offense in the game. They really won that game against Florida with their defense. Uh, I've told you, Louisville, don't sleep on their pass rush. Louisville can really rush the passer. Uh, so I expect that to be a lower-scoring game. 
because uh, Florida State's just going to try to survive it, kind of like Texas did with Malik Murphy playing with a backup quarterback. But, you know, difference for Texas is Quinn Ewers is back. I mean, the Jordan Travis, the 60-year quarterback at Florida State, who was having a – I mean, he was in a Heisman Trophy conversation. He was playing so well for Florida State. So the drop to the next guy is pretty precipitous. Uh, and so that's the argument. Is Florida State still, even at 13-0, even if they win an ugly game, find a way to beat Louisville – uh, out of the ACC, are they still one of the four best teams in the country? Uh, it's going to be hard to argue a 13-0 and conference champion, but at the same time, the, the charge of the committee is to get the four best teams. And I think what, when you say Feinbaum and, and the SEC, I heard Kirk Herbstreit making this argument yesterday too. It, you know, Georgia, if they lose to Alabama, they still have won, what, 29 consecutive games, um, 29 of their last 30 if they lose that game. Are you going to tell people that they're still not one of the four best teams? I mean, that's going to be the argument you're going to hear. And I also saw, I, 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 like you, Ty, I, I uh, watched a lot of uh, coverage yesterday, and there was a lot of support for Texas. There's a lot of folks who believe Texas is one of the four best teams uh, in the country. I think the win over uh, Thanksgiving, you know, Thanksgiving win over Tech that was just a 50-point blowout kind of showed the total domination Texas can. It kind of reminds you of, gosh, they beat Alabama. They beat, they beat them by 10, and they could have beat them by more in that game in Tuscaloosa. Some of the close wins that Texas has had at, at Houston and over TCU kind of gave people pause, but they also dealt with injuries at their quarterback position while that was happening, and uh, boy, the, 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 the turkey, you know, the, the Black Friday dem demolition of Texas Tech, I think, reminded some folks, hey, look, this is a really good football team, uh, really talented football team. Now 26 members are making all Big 12 or receiving accolades. There was a lot of support for Texas, I heard, nationally yesterday, which is a good thing. That's where you, you want to be headed into the, the championship game. So, you know, the pundits and those folks are talking heads are making the case for you, and then you have to go provide one more data point, right, one more – um, you know, final final exam and put it on the board and uh, remind folks just how dominant you can be. If you can do that on Saturday, and then Steve Sarkeesian, as we said, it's a good time slot because if they win that game, you know, Sark can, you know, be on the halftime shows for the for the SEC championship game when Georgia's playing Alabama, you know, join CBS at halftime, go on, um, you know, Big Ten at night, ACC at night, you know, go make your claim, go, go politic for your team because um, you know. I mean, that's where you need to be uh, making the case that we have the best win in the country against Alabama. Our one loss came in the final minute uh, against Oklahoma in a neutral site rivalry game that could have gone either way. Um, and as we've said, if they had held on and won that game, they'd be the number one team in the country. So to have them all the way down at seven, um, if they win the Big 12 championship, uh, would be, would be uh, you know, disappointing for the Longhorns not to be in that conversation. But at the end of the day, as we said repeatedly, now, there is a chance the Longhorns get shut out even if they dominate and win 57-7 to on Saturday because uh, there could be four undefeated conference champions when we, get, when we get to Sunday morning. You know, if Georgia handles business, Michigan handles business, if Washington beats Oregon and Florida State wins, I mean, you know, for the first time ever you'd have four 13-0 you know, conference champs. That's never happened, and that would just be bad luck for Texas uh, to pick this year to have their best year in 15 years for a program. That's just the way that's going to fall. Uh, all right, so this says, do you think UT big football staff consultants have reviewed FSU film and sent any strategic ideas to Louisville? Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't, that, that wouldn't shock me, but uh, uh, that's, a, that's a fair question. How many times have actually been has they actually picked the four best teams? Well, it's a fair question, too. That's always a judgment thing, right? That's why they're going to, uh, to 12 next year, you know, 12 next year. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that when we get to 12 that there won't be debate about who's in and who's out. I, um, but I think it will, it will minimize because trying to pick the four best teams. Remember next year, Ty, when they go to 12, the, 
the because by next year there will only be four Power Five conferences, or it's going to be a Power Four conference situation, right? Um, with the de the demise of the Pac-12, so you'll only have the ACC, the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, and the SEC. Those will be your four conferences. And it looks like the way it's going to work is there'll be four guaranteed spots, or actually five guaranteed spots, but uh, uh, in the fund, so it'll be a, a five-seven model for the final for the twelve. If, you, if you're if you're paying attention, it was going to be a, a six six model uh, but they're with the, with the with the demise of the Pac-12 they're going to 5-7 which would be the four power conferences will their champion will be their highest ranked you know the the, the best champ the, the champion of each of the power four will be in uh, the final four essentially uh, and then not not guaranteed in the final four but in the final 12 right they'll be in the playoff and then there'll be a, the, the best what do you want to call it tie an at-large team right the best non-power four conference team team like this year would be Tulane uh, who would be in. So that would be your fifth guaranteed spot. And then you would add seven chosen spots. So choose the next seven best teams. Then you seed them. And then the top four next year, starting in 2024, get a bye. And then the other eight, you know, play, you know, the, the first round uh, at the higher seeded team's home site. So if you're playing this year, Texas, if they you know, were going to be six or seven, they'd be hosting a first-round playoff game in two weeks here in Austin uh, against a team that would be ranked 11 or 12 uh, to, is the way that would work out. So, uh, you, have, you know, it's a better system, I think, next year, starting next year, but, you know, this is the last year of what you got to deal with, so the Longhorns have to kind of play the game here, Ty, kind of play the game into this weekend. But as I've said all week, it's kind of a conflicted thing because it's, it's nice to be talking about this, right, even if it's going to end up frustrating on Sunday. Uh, the fact that the Longhorns are back in this conversation after what's happened since 2009 into 2010 uh, is, is a good place to be. Yeah, I'm hoping we have some kind of sign-sealing operation in, in action already for this Florida State uh, game. I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. Fingers crossed. I'm, Fingers crossed. I've put, I've put a decent amount of money on Texas National Championship um, to win a national championship this week, and I'm getting a little bit more nervous as, as the week's gone on. <laughs> uh, this text, we always appreciate your messages, 512-447-3776. Uh, this says, today, Texas is a better team than TCU last year, more exciting. Well, that's, that's arguable, but it's a different year than last year. I think there are better teams this year than last. Remember, two Big Ten teams got in last year because, you know, USC couldn't hold up their end and, and win the, the Pac-12 championship last year on championship weekend. Utah upset them, and that jumped Ohio State back into it after they had lost to Michigan. Uh, in that, uh, that end of the regular season game. Uh, this says, remember 04, Mac politics to get Texas in the BCS in over Cal, and to this day Aaron Rodgers hates Mac because of it. That's true. That did happen back in 2004. That was the Longhorns' first trip to the Rose Bowl where they won and beat Michigan. Then they turned around and won the national championship in that same building the following year. It says, moving to 12 will only intensify and expand the debates, teams, and seeding. That's, look, I'm not saying it's going away, but I think a team, look, look if Texas doesn't get in, uh, and they're fifth or sixth or wherever they are on Sunday. I'm not going to say it's a travesty, but that's a shame because Texas has proven to be a really, really good football team this year. Uh, and in most every other year, they would have been in the Final Four. Uh, you shouldn't leave a team of this quality out, in my opinion. But someone's going to get left out. That's really what's going to happen. Uh, because if you're, you know, Florida State and you get left out, you're going to be bitter about it. Uh, you know, if, you, if Alabama beats Georgia and then Georgia's not in, Georgia's going to be bitter. Point being, when you go to 12, there'll be more room for – to get all the teams in that are have qualified, especially the conference champions, uh, and then you take the next best. So uh, more seats at the table. We'll not, you know, we, we will still have. We have do we have debates from basketball when there's you know 68 spots in basketball. The debates aren't going away. But I think uh, a really good team like Texas or a really good team like like Washington or or any of the ones we're talking about won't be left out of the 12 team field. 
they will be included and have a chance to play for it. All right, let's kind of come back. Uh, I do agree with the point about the seeding, though, because the big debate next year, probably not the teams as much as the seeding, because that, that top four gets the week off uh, and doesn't have to play that first-round game. That's a huge advantage uh, to be able to sit back and, uh, and, and watch and, and see that first round. That's, that's, the, that's, the, you know, that, that's what you're trying to earn is to be the, you know, one of the top four to be off that first weekend of the, of the 12-team playoff. All right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll go behind the burnt orange curtain. We'll hear from Steve Sarkeesian. He was on uh, ESPN yesterday, Sports Center, talking about the Big 12 championship game. We'll hear that conversation. Also, Nick Shuley will join us coming up as well. For his conversation, Ty is here, you are here. We're just getting warmed up on the final day of November. It's Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Thursday on The Horn, we'll preview Cowboys-Seahawks tonight. Kicking off week 13, an important week for uh, the Cowboys to keep the momentum going. They've... No, it hasn't always been this way, Ty, that uh, the, the AT&T Stadium there, Cowboy Stadium, has been a great home field advantage for the Cowboys, right? They've, uh, a lot of times, it's such a big arena. And, you know, by the way, props to uh, Longhorn fans and Oklahoma State fans. The Big 12 championship game in that same building on Saturday is a sellout. They did open up some standing room only seats, tickets yesterday, so it's going to be a packed house. But, you know, that, with that standing room area, Ty, they can get 100,000 people in that building uh so a lot of times you know the the opposing team's fans have an easy time getting tickets to that to the games and can can get their way in and uh but boy the cowboys have certainly turned that into a home field advantage uh, they they play great and they play fast at home we talked about uh you know 13 in a row in that building and uh they've got the, and the average margin of victory tie in those 13 wins in a row in the at&t stadium are 20 points 20 points that's Pretty good, my friend, uh, what they're doing in that building. And if they can win back-to-back home games, uh, they, they could be tied for first place uh, if you're paying attention because the Cowboys are sitting at 8-3. and three. The, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles are sitting two games ahead of them right now. Uh, but they play the Niners this weekend and in San Francisco. That's a heck of a game. Uh, middle of the afternoon, it's the game of the week, uh, 325. Uh, but in, and San Francisco is really, really good. I mean, I, I'm going to pick San Francisco to win that game if they do. The uh, following Sunday, the Cowboys will host Philadelphia with a chance to pull even um, if they can beat the Seahawks tonight and you know, go into December essentially flat-footed tie atop the division. And, and you know, that, so the Cowboys can win, make, make that 13-game win streak 15. They could be into December battling for first place. And you know, and that, you know what that means, Ty? That means you're battling for number one overall seed in the NFC, right? I mean, that's, that's how big this, this two-game home stretch is for them. Yeah, huge. Um, still not bought back in yet, but – Oh, yeah, you've sold – much like you did to the Texas Rangers, you sold your allegiance. Uh, I mean, I'm still watching every game, and I'm rooting for them. But, I, I, but my, you're just not I, going to get excited about it. My expectations it are as low as they've been in my entire life. Why? Well, they're, they're as good as they've been in a long time. You just don't trust Dak in January, is that it? Like, no matter what happens, you're not going to be Charlie Brown in the football. You're not buying in until you see it happen. Is that uh, kind of the deal? Yes, and they've been playing – all these great wins have been over terrible teams. I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean I'm, that's that. I reckon that's that. not a, that's not an opinion either. That's a fact. I mean that's when you, when you say that their eight wins come against teams whose t- combined record is twenty five and fifty two, that's not an opinion. That's a fact, and that's the number. And you can't apologize for the teams in front of you. You just have to play them and beat them. And the Cowboys haven't just beaten them; they've demolished them. I mean they they've outscored those eight opponents by almost two hundred points this year. One hundred ninety nine, I believe, is their plus minus in those eight wins. But yes, we've seen them line up against the Niners and the Eagles and lose. Uh, they've got three losses. They beat, lost to Arizona, they lost to Philly, and they lost to the Niners. So this stretch, that's why I've said this stretch 
will define the Cowboys' season, and they have a chance to to change some narratives. Dak Prescott certainly does. Um, you know, they, they, these home games with you know, Seattle tonight. I'm not going to put as much emphasis on Seattle. I'm not minimizing it if they win it, but Seattle is heading the wrong direction. Let's be fair about that. They've lost three of their last four. They've only scored, you know, one, off, you know, three offensive touchdowns in that stretch. Uh, they weren't good the other night against San Francisco on Turkey Night. So this this team kind of looks more like one of the bad teams the Cowboys have been beaten up on. But their record says they're six and five, so that's a winning team. But as I said, the bigger game comes the following week with the Philadelphia Eagles. That will be the real litmus test. Then they head out for back-to-back trips to Buffalo and Miami for coming home for a showdown with the Denver Detroit Lions over the next five games. All right, we'll preview that one more. Can we uh, go behind the burnt orange curtain, though, T.Y., talk some Texas football? Yeah, let's do it. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? Uh, also, uh, we have Sark here coming up, but... Uh, Good stuff coming down the message line. We appreciate you. 512-447-3376. says, you keep saying 26 players received Big 12 accolades. I only count nine. Well, if you go to honorable mention, go to honorable mention, and on down the list of the news release, 26 different Longhorns received some accolade or received a vote from the league's coaches for something. Um, that came straight from the uh, TexasSports.com website. So uh, 26, and it's the highest number since 2005. But, yeah, as far as the big awards, you know, nine players, first or second team. But if you get down to the honorable mentions and receiving votes, and, yeah, so it's kind of nitpicky, but it's still a big number. The Longhorns have a lot of guys that uh, um, caught the attention of the league's coaches um, around, around in 2023. Uh, all right, this says uh, on the message line, this says uh, we might end up left out like Georgia was in 2018 when they were the fifth team to beat in a bowl game. Fans then blame their loss on that team. They lost interest, and then Texas beat them in 2018 in the Sugar Bowl. Remember that? I know that's true, that they just didn't care to be at the Sugar Bowl. Somebody corrected me. They play in Philadelphia, not San Francisco. My bad. I said that thinking it was San Francisco. But, yeah, they play in Philly, I guess, uh, on, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, somebody, here we go. Here's Nick in San Angelo. I hope you've got some broken-in walking shoes, E. Uh-oh. Nick's getting, getting, getting excited, Ty, that they're going to uh, win the Super Bowl. That means I'd have to walk to Dallas. Uh, you know, I, I, will still, I will still commit to that. That's an ongoing 23, 24-year promise that I have made. Uh, and if the Cowboys do win the Super Bowl this year, yes, I will live up to that. Hey, can we hear from Sark, though? Sark was on SportsCenter yesterday. You know, as I've said, I, you know, I think you'll hear this. Sark is, you know, he's going to campaign for his team in the playoff, but he knows the most important thing is winning this game Saturday, saying singularly focused on that, but wanted to bring it to you as a national conversation. Sports Center with Steve Sarkeesian. By Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian and, and coach first Big 12 title game appearance since 2018 for Texas year three for you. What did it take to get the Longhorns back in the conference championship? Man, it's, it's been a heck of a journey, you know, Matt, like to think about where we were when we first started in year one uh, and, and just kind of changing the culture and, and, and kind of building upon from year one to year two and some tough losses along the way. But I thought our culture just continued to build. We continue to bring in kind of talent along the way. And then this year, the thing I think that we've been able to do uh, is find ways to win. You know, we're a really versatile football team. We've got a, we've got a great deal of depth on our team. We've got a really good defense, a really good offense. Uh, we're excellent on special teams, and we've needed all of that throughout the year to to get to this point. But it's it's an awesome opportunity for us, you know, to be back in the Big 12 title game uh, and to think, you know, we haven't won a title since 2009. Yeah. 
Uh, it's one that I know our guys are looking forward to the opportunity. So that kind of leads me to the next question of what it would mean to close out this chapter of Texas football in the Big 12 with winning what would be your final Big 12 championship game. It, it would be awesome. And we've been talking about it from, from the summer. Um, you know, when, when, the, when the Big 12, when the Texas got in the Big 12 in 1996, uh, they won the conference championship the first year they were there. Uh, they only won two more along the way, and those other two years were 05 and 09, and those two years they went and played for a national championship. So uh, we're trying to get our fourth conference championship here in the last 27 years, uh, and hopefully hi history can repeat itself. Yeah, and you kind of alluded to it because you know this. Each season it has its adversity. You guys had the loss to Oklahoma, then QB Quinn Ewers, he was injured for a couple of games. Your star running back Jonathan Brooks lost for the season with an ACL. So through that adversity, Coach, what did you learn about your team during those ups and downs? Well, I think the first thing is that, you know, this team is really well connected. You know, they, they play for one another. Uh, I, I love the versatility of this team, which I touched on. I think our interior defensive front is fantastic. We can defend, we can stop the run. We're, we defend the pass. We create turnovers. Uh, we've got the leading punt return yarder in the, in the country in Xavier Worthy. We can block punts. We return kickoffs for touchdowns. But yet, we're an exciting offense. We've got playmakers all over the field. Quinn's back healthy. Uh, and so all of it adding up, I, I, what I've learned is that we're a really versatile team. And no matter what each game calls for, uh, we're more than capable of, of finding a way to win it predicated on what, what needs to be done. And as we know, Coach, the penultimate college football playoff rankings get released tonight. How much do you pay attention to them from, let's call it, rankings one to the ones that will be released tonight? You know, I think as a college football fan, which, which I am, I, I love our sport. I, I do think I, I pay attention to it. But, but quite frankly, the only thing we can control from a, from a football perspective is what we do on the field. And, and we've got to continue to play good football. We need to prepare really well this week for a really good opponent Saturday and, uh, and put our best foot forward Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Look, I, I know by asking this question that there is a ton of football left to play this weekend, but... Should you win the Big 12 championship, Coach, what would your resume say about being deserving of one of those four playoff spots? Well, I, I like our resume. You know, clearly, you know, I think our strength of schedule speaks for itself. I think we played quality opponents from, from our non-conference schedule all the way through our conference schedule. Uh, you know, to me, and, I, and I, I say this because I was at Alabama, to go into Tuscaloosa, Alabama and win by 10 points, uh, where they're 59-2 and two in their last 61 games, and the only other team to beat them was Joe Burrow uh, and LSU. I, I think that that speaks for itself. Uh, and again, I think to the versatility and depth of our team. So, hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to, to, to campaign for us. What I do know is we got to take care of business Saturday. Uh, and then hopefully you guys have me on Saturday night, and then I can start really campaigning. <laughs> there you go. Hey, look, if you want to be on college football final, we'll ha we'd love to have you on. Dan Mullen would love to fire some questions at you. know Joey Galloway and his act, but we'll have fun with it. Big 12 championship for the final time, Texas, 12 p.m. Eastern on ABC against Oklahoma State. Sark, good talking to you, buddy. Can't wait to catch up soon. Thanks, Matt. Hook them. See you. All right, there's Steve Sarkeesian. And, uh, you know, hey, Ty, if, you're, if, if they're looking for a chip on the shoulder, obviously Mike Gundy has had Texas' number 7-3 and three in the last 10. But uh, Steve Sarkeesian not being voted Coach of the Year by the Big 12 coaches, uh, he misses out on a $50,000 bonus that he would have had in his contract, fifty grand. Uh, he can, he can kind of sleep on that. Come on, man. 11-1, and one, you know, sitting at number 7 in the country. You know, uh, you know Mike Gundy's team's lost 45-3 to three at Central Florida, lost uh, – 
you know, 34 to 7 to South Alabama. Come on, man. Three losses, but I know uh, they, it's Gundy overachieved. And I would say it's going to be hard to expect the Big 12 coaches to vote for a coach who's leaving the Big 12, whose program is leaving the Big 12. They're going to vote for one of their own, but it did cost him 50,000 grant, 50,000 large in that contract. Uh, as for the texter who said uh, 26 members receiving honors, I, and he said he only counted nine, if you go to the honorable mention part uh, for Texas, you know, Kelvin Banks, the junior, was, uh, was honorable mention for the offensive lineman of the year uh, by the coaches, C.J. Baxter. You know, Anthony Hill Jr. was voted the freshman of the year on defense. Uh, C.J. Baxter was the uh, honorable mention offensive freshman of the year running back. Uh, Jonathan Brooks was honorable mention offensive player of the year because they had, the, you know, when you voted, you could vote first, second, third. So, Jonathan Brooks got a lot of a lot of votes for, you know, offensive player of the year. Terrence Brooks got an honorable mention as dead DB. Ethan Burke got an honorable mention at D line. Trill Carter, uh, the Minnesota transfer, got a, a uh, honorable mention as the defensive newcomer of the year. You know, Keaton Crawford, Alfred Collins, Quinn Ewers, on down the list. So the Longhorns did have twenty some twenty seven uh, six twenty six players who received some type of accolade and or vote. But yes, the uh, main ones for Texas were. You know, Tavondre Sweat, the defensive player of the C of the year in the Big 12. Defensive lineman of the year goes to Byron Murphy. Uh, A.D. Mitchell, the offensive newcomer of the year. Anthony Hill, the freshman of the year. And uh, on the all-Big 12 first team, X-Man, J.T. Sanders, Kelvin Banks, Burt Auburn is the place kicker. Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, Jalen Ford. Second team, Jay Brooks, uh, A.D. Mitchell, and Jade Barron. Uh, all right, we'll come back. When we do, we'll get some what the facts. There's uh, Steve Sarkeesian. We'll take your thoughts on that. Likes his team's versatility, has all year. Uh, they need to uh, leave no doubt Saturday. Uh, Cowboys need to do the same tonight. We will talk about that game and come back with our what the facts segment on the final day of November here on Hook'em Up on 101.9 AM 1260. Stream it on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Yeah, time for what the facts. WTF, the facts on a Thursday. Yes, we will be in Arlington tomorrow. Or in Dallas tomorrow, as a matter of fact. I'm going to do the show here tomorrow. That's a fact. I'll be live here in our South Austin Onion Creek studios, and then I'll jump on uh, 35. Depending on traffic, maybe I'll take the tollway. I don't know. See how it looks. So I will uh, race up to Dallas, and uh, we'll be on live from Terry Black's Barbecue in downtown Dallas, South Main Street, Deep Ellum area. Beautiful spot, great spot. We were there for Texas OU, and we're going back again. Thanks to Terry and the team there for having us. And uh, it's not just me. It's going to be the Horn and Inside Texas. Uh, Jerry Hamilton, Bobby Burton will be there. They'll be doing one of their great YouTube live streams on Friday afternoon. Then I will host my part of our afternoon show with Patrick Davis. And hopefully by that point, Rod can get back in and, and join us and uh, Ty Henderson and our whole crew, and I'll be live at uh, Terry Black. So if you're headed up, da- up to Dallas on Friday for this sold-out game uh, on Saturday morning, come on and see us. Uh, great parking. That's the one thing when I, when I worked with Terry on that. I was like, man, this place is great because it's big. got outdoor. you got indoor. The food is amazing. I mean, you get, you get the old barbecue coma going pretty quick. The sides are amazing at Terry Black's. And then you get uh, you know, parking's easy, and they've got, they got their own parking lot. Uh, and then they've got easy parking on the street, right across the street. So parking not an issue. You can just post up with us, you know, have some uh, some cold Bud Lights and cold drinks and some barbecue and talk Texas football. We'll be there from 4 all the way to 7 o'clock uh, doing the pregame show, or at least the uh, afternoon version of the pregame roundtable, uh, which I'm excited about. And then on Saturday morning, I'll be at, over at Jay Gilligan's in Arlington. I'm going to head down, um, you know, down, down east, go west, I should say, into Arlington. And I'll be doing the show from Jay Gilligan's, which is right in downtown Old, Ar- Old Arlington there, uh, from 8 to 11 on Saturday morning. And that's a great spot. As I told you, you can look it up online, but Jay Gilligan's has a shuttle. 
uh, where you can park uh, down there, and they'll shuttle you over to the stadium and back. So you don't have to worry about jumping back in your car and you have some pregame tailgating and drinks and have some fun, get some, what do you get, screwdrivers, mimosas, some, you know, kegs and eggs, as we say, and then head over to the game from there. But uh, that's Jay Gilligan's in Arlington, Terry Black's. And it's all brought to you by our friends at One Source Gas. Uh, your One Source your One Source Gas is your Central Texas compressed gas provider. Also, my friends at Hay City Store and Taste on Main, Travis and Tamara helping us get up there as our travel partner and our presenting partners for this weekend's coverage. It's also a fact that Nick Shuley has joined us in the uh, – the headquarters here in South Austin. How are you, Nick? I'm doing great. Yeah. Uh, fought through this this ugly weather this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. Doing the show from the the headquarters here at Onion Creek, I don't have to get in the car. But how was it out there? Is it a little nasty? It's a little wet. Yeah, it's 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 just kind of nasty. Yes, yeah, the the water sitting on the ground and it's still coming down a little bit. Yeah. So pooling water never a good thing. Be careful out there, Don Miller. Be along with the traffic. That is a fact as well. Uh, how about this fact there? Uh, you mentioned the, the 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 Michigan Ohio State game on Saturday. Twenty three million viewers. It's a, it's a new new record for college football, 23 million. I was among them. I think we all were tuned I in to see that was. game, and it was a heck of a football game to the closing seconds, uh, cl- closing minute, 30 to 24. Michigan gets the win, but 23 million. How about this? That Black Friday game, the, uh, the NFL game, the first ever Black Friday NFL game, just 9.6 million viewers on Amazon. That is the second least watched game on Amazon since they've taken the package. Wow. It did not go well. Yeah, and you know what? I'll give you like if I want to use yourself as an example, I forgot about it. Yeah, I did. I watched a little, but I, I feel like there was something else on at that time too. And well, there's college football on. Yeah, yeah. I, the, I, I was the, trying to remember which game. Though. Yeah, which game you were watching? Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was. I remember I was I was I was driving down to the uh, to do the coverage of our Texas pregame at the Mockingbird Saloon, and I was I was uh, cutting through downtown, and I looked over. I, I was right, right at Little Woodrow's, and I looked over there, and he goes, "Oh." The, Game's on. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> it was a Friday afternoon. I was trying to go down there and see if – never mind. There's a reason I was running around downtown. But I was looking for something, and then I, I looked in there. I was like, oh, man, that game's on. I totally forgot about that game was being on. And uh, so then, you know, we got to see it. But, uh, you know, lived up to it. The Dolphins won the game. But the lowest viewed uh, since twenty since the Amazon took over the package. But this is also a fact there, there uh, Nick Shuley. Did you see that Aaron Rodgers? Oh, man. Aaron Rodgers. Uh, has been filmed throwing in return. He's now entered the 21-day window to potentially return just two and a half months after suffering a torn Achilles. Um, Wednesday, the team you know, opened a 21-day window in which Rodgers can practice without occupying a roster spot, furthering optimism that Rodgers returned to practice during which uh, a few tentative throws were recorded that he could he be back by Christmas or just before Christmas? Or is, is, this, is this him teasing people, keeping himself in the headlines, which he likes to do quite a bit, or is this, this for real? Aaron Rodgers coming back in the same season. That would be the first player ever that's come back from Achilles within the same year. Well, the, the Jets need some positive publicity, I think, and, and this is definitely that. But, I, I, I mean, if he is able to come back from that, he is defying the laws of uh, nature. Like, that, that is the – that is the most people will say the worst injury you can get in sports and man i i i'm worried if he gets back on the field what will happen but if if he does i th- i think this is partially him trying to prove his point that you know his uh anti medical points etc so <laughs> yeah, i believe i believe there's something to that but but also i don't know that for a fact yeah he had some you know revolutionary surgery or whatever he called <laughs> it or whatever aaron Rodgers does but we'll see it'll be amazing it would be a great endorsement for it if, if, if he can get back on the field and then the question is does he want to get back on the field because he he has said openly he wants to come back and play next year you know the the the, jet, the jets are four and eight or four and seven and they're sinking fast they got tim boyle is their quarterback now Ooh. Yeah, because they, they, they weren't 
quick enough to um, – they still – when Aaron Rodgers got hurt that night in the fourth play of the game, they should have gone after a, a quarterback. We know this now. 100%. Uh, shame on them because Zach Wilson was not – we know what he is. But, uh, you know, surprising he hasn't made it through the season. He's been benched. But, you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers and you want to play beyond this year, would you come back on a bad team and risk it to where, yeah, you get back out there, but you might repop it or whatever. I mean, I'm not, I don't understand the, the, the motivation to try to rush back. If they were in playoff contention and sitting right there in the AFC, then I could somewhat understand it. But, man, if you want to play beyond this year, I don't understand. I think he's proven a point. And, yeah, we'll see. And Headlines. It's, it's good for his podcast with uh, he or his show with McAfee. So That's right. Great. It's great, great, great media. That's right. Hey, free media is always good media. That's what Rod would tell us. Uh, rooting for Rod as he uh, battles the protocols. We'll get Rod back in here just as soon as we can. Uh, Nick Shuley is here, though, and we appreciate him heading over here and being a part of it. Ty Henderson is here as well. You are here. We're one hour down. We have four to go on Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B on this final day of November 20 and 23. Rolling back in on 101.9 AM 1260. Streaming always on your Horn app, on your smart speaker, and at hornfm.com.